today we're going to talk about the pastor. Everybody say pastor. pastor. Now uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 we'll read it very quickly but we need to read all of this so you'll understand this is the basis for the fivefold ministry gifts I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of which you were called with all loneliness and gentleness and long suffering bearing with one another endeavoring to keep the unity of the bond of peace there is one body say one body how many, how many knows there is one body I'm not just talking about solid rock church there is one body of Christ are you with me church one body and one spirit, just as we were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of whose gift? Christ's gift as Jesus. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, we're talking about Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men he gave gifts to men that's why we call them the fivefold gifts now this he ascended what is it but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is also the one who far ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things and he himself jesus gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some teachers some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking to you Oh, come on, y'all didn't hear me. Now tell somebody he's talking to you. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking truth in love, we may grow up into all things who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working. Listen, this is what Amy was talking about this morning. By which every part does its share. I wish I could hear somebody say amen. And when that happens, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Wow, that's a lot of scripture, but you need to get the whole picture of why we talk about the fivefold ministry gifts here. It is not just so people can have a title, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It is so that we can understand why he gave those gifts to the church. He was very specific on why he did it. He did it to edify the body of Christ, to equip the body of Christ. And he says that it's, it, it will be in place until the body of Christ has been perfected. How many knows we are not perfect yet? How many knows our fleshly bodies are not glorified yet? One day we will stand in the presence and we will be glorified. When that day comes, there will be no more need for the fivefold ministry gifts or even the nine gifts of the Spirit because all of them are to help us our flesh in, 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 in a fleshly world operate in a supernatural way outside of what is possible for us to operate on our own. Can I get somebody to say amen? amen. The fivefold ministry gifts are empowering. They are releasing gifts. They are equipping gifts. They are gifts that God put in the body of Christ so that the, the great commission can be accomplished. 
How many, think about it. If the Great Commission was going, uh, if, like most people actually think, they won't say this, but they uh, subliminally at least think this, that the Great Commission is for preachers and teachers and evangelists and missionaries. But if you added up all the preachers and all the teachers and all the evangelists and all the missionaries in the world and then said to them, it is your responsibility to reach every human being on this planet. How many knows that is a virtual impossibility? There's no way that I as a pastor can witness to every one of your co-workers. They don't come to this church. I, I physically cannot rotate around your jobs and walk in on your jobs on a daily basis and make myself available to pray for people you work with. I can't walk down every one of your neighborhoods and pray for all of your neighbors and be there for them when tragedy happens. Are you hearing me? So if that's the case and you really understand that, then it's time for you to take on some responsibility. Are you hearing me? How many knows that if they're your neighbors... I'm preaching good already this morning. It's early in the morning. I know. I know. But how many of us, if they're your neighbors, they're your responsibility. If they're your co-workers, they're your responsibility. So the question today is, what is my responsibility as your pastor? I'm glad you asked. Before I go into that, I'm going to tell you some alarming things about pastors. These are not even current statistics. These only are the closest I could find was 2014. How many knows the world has changed dramatically just since 2014? How many knows discouragement, depression, anxiety, the stress level of the world in which we live has gone to another level just from 2014? But these statistics are from 2014 regarding pastors. Because the reason I want to show you this is because so many people look at pastors, especially if you watch Christian TV or if you listen to podcasts or if you read books, you, you equate... The life of a pastor is almost like the life of a celebrity. And quite frankly, a lot of pastors are responsible for that because they've turned themselves into celebrities. But even on a local church level, we've, we've, we've so uh, elevated the pastor on such a pedestal that not really necessarily even out of honor, but, but out of a, a sense of he's better than me, he's more anointed than me, uh, and, and therefore his life, you almost envy the life of some pastors because people in their mind think, well, he's, he's a full-time pastor. He ain't digging ditches, unless you pastor Solid Rock Church, you're digging ditches and you're running pipe and you're running wire too here. But most pastors are not. They, in their mind, they think, well, they're playing golf all the time, sleeping late and got all this quality time with their family. And it just seems like the ideal life compared to yours 20, 2014 80 percent of pastors feel completely unqualified and discouraged in their role as pastor 50 percent of pastors are so discouraged they would leave the ministry today but they have no other way of making a living for their family half of all pastors this was 2014 70 percent of pastors constantly fight depression 72% of pastors report working between 55 to 75 hours per week. 84%, did you hear that? And, and, and you, you're, you're getting 40 hours, 38 to 40 hours, and you're envying the life of a pastor. I can tell you this number is on the low end in my life, in most of my life. 
55 to 75 hours a week. 84% of pastors feel that they're on call 24-7. Are you on call at your job 24-7? 80% of, of pastors believe pastoral ministry. Listen to this. 80%, 8 out of 10 pastors believe that pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. Many pastors' children no longer attend church now because of what the church has done to their parents. 65% of pastors feel their families live in a glass house and fear that they will never be good enough to meet the expectations of the people. 23% of pastors report that they are completely distant from their families. 78% of pastors report having their vacation and personal time interrupted each year with ministry duties and expectations. 78% can't even get away. 65% of pastors feel that they have not taken enough vacation time with their family over the last five years. 35% of pastors report the demands of the church denies them from spending any quality time with their family. A third of pastors. 24% of pastors' families resent the church and its effect on their family. 22% of pastors' spouses report that the ministry has placed undue expectations on their family and has harmed their marriage. 66% of church members expect a, a, a minister and a family to live at a higher moral standard than themselves. 90% of pastors report the ministry was completely different Oh, my God, I don't know why this ain't 100%. 90% of pastors report the ministry was completely different than what they thought it would be like before they entered the ministry. And the profession of pastor is near the bottom of a survey of all occupations that are the most respected. Did you hear that? Just above car salesmen. No offense if you sell cars. I'm just reading the stats. Of the most respected occupations, pastor is near the bottom of surveyed when asked American people. And then the, the last one. One, listen to this. This is unbelievable. One out of every ten pastors, current pastors, will actually retire as a pastor. Did you hear that? One out of ten will actually retire as a pastor, meaning nine out of ten will wash their hands and walk away and find another way to support their family. Ninety percent. Are you alive, church? So many people believe that God has placed this office. Almost, it's almost like the office of a pastor even though it is not on the level of an apostle, has been placed in the eyes of the, of the church and the religious culture in such a way, and such expectations on them, that it's almost impossible for a pastor to ever meet those expectations. Let me tell you something about a pastor. The word pastor in the original language, the original Hebrew and the original Greek, means shepherd the first thing on your notes is this pastor means shepherd pastor means shepherd pastor does not mean employee pastor does not mean boss man pa pastor does not mean king pastor does not mean a perfect man pastor simply means shepherd you need to get this in your spirit shepherds 
Shepherds shepherd what? Sheep. Sheep are by nature wanderers. They, 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 they are followers. Sheep are not the king of the jungle, and they are not the king of the forest. Come on, come, amen. How many knows nothing against sheep? And I know you think I'm insulting you because we're all sheep, but I'm the shepherd of you in this house. But, but here's the reality. Sheep are on the bottom of the food chain. If they didn't have a shepherd, how many knows they have no natural built-in defense mechanism? They, they, even, at least a dog can fight back. How many tell you something? A cat can fight back. Can I get an amen? How many knows a lot of cats will whoop dogs? They ain't got any fear in them. But sheep do not have a killer instinct within them. The wolf will come in and devour the sheep and can devour as many as he wants without a shepherd. Take no offense by this. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking to you. <laughs> without a shepherd, sheep would probably not survive. Now watch this. It has been documented that in some situations people have viewed this and they've even videoed this, where in some countries where the sheep dwell on high cliffs, one will get close to the edge and walk close to the edge, eating that one little blade of grass there on the edge, and fall and disappear. It has been documented that the next one will move right in their place and try to eat the same bit of grass and fall off again. And they will just one by one, boom, 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 follow the leader. Come on. Didn't Jesus say if, if the blind, what good is it for somebody that's blind trying to leave somebody else's blind because they're both falling in the ditch? Sheep need a shepherd. Somebody shout, I need a shepherd. Well, isn't it awesome that the most famous shepherd, other than, of course, Jesus the chief shepherd, but isn't it the most famous shepherd? Somebody tell me who the most famous shepherd in all of the Old and New Testament is. David. David. David became a king, but he started out what? A shepherd. When he was called and Samuel came into town, he was going to anoint the next king. He went through all of the brothers. And he got all the way down to the last brother. And he said, I don't understand. God said it ain't none of them. He said, there's still one. He's an old ruddy boy. And he's out there doing, he'd rather be with the sheep than he'd be with, even with us. He loves those sheep. If you can pry him away from the sheep, I, he, maybe, maybe he's the one. As soon as he came in, the Lord said, he is the one for he is a, he is a man after my own heart. Now we've always said that he's a man after my own heart because he was a worshiper. Let me tell you something, that has something to do with it. But he's a man after God's own heart because he, even as a young boy, he had the heart of a shepherd. That is the heart of God. For God so loved the world, the sheep. Are you hearing me? When you care about the sheep, what did Jesus say? This ain't in my nose, what did Jesus say? In resurrected body form, right before his feet would have lifted off of the earth and go to sit at the right hand of his father, he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then what did he tell Peter? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Ask him a second time. Why are you asking me again? I just told you, of course I love you. 
He said, well, then feed my lambs. He paused for a moment, took a bite of fish, looked back at him again and said, I got another question to ask you. Actually, same question. Peter, do you love me? And the Bible alludes to the fact that there was stress that came on Peter. But something changed in his response. Something changed in his countenance. And with a grieving heart, he looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, I don't understand why you keep asking me. I love you so much. I love you so much. Of course I love you. And he said, well, feed my sheep. And then he stopped. In other words, he says, the way you show me that you love me is when you feed my sheep. When you take care of the ones that I came and suffered and died for. Thank you that you love me. Let me tell you something that flies right in the face of this ridiculous mindset that's happened in the church that says, I love God, but I don't like the church. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? I love God, but I don't like the church. They, those same people like to quote Gandhi. Nothing against Gandhi was a great man, but Gandhi was not a Christian. Amen. They like to quote his famous saying that says, I, I really like your Christ, but I don't like your Christian. I really like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Here's the reality. It don't work that way. You don't get to love God and hate his sheep. Can I get an amen? So let me tell you something. God wants you to be a part of a flock. Now, we don't call this a flock. Where do you go to flock at? <laughs> I mean, you won't say that. Well, I go down to that solid rock flock. Better, better be careful saying that real fast. <laughs> but, but in essence, that's what we are. We're herd. Herd. Where you go to herd at? Herd at. <laughs> you think they think you're crazy. Now, what if you went into work tomorrow and said, hey, listen, God is moving at our herd. And uh, we would love for you to come and visit our herd. You're what? He wants us to be a part of a body. Did we not just read, talking about the equipping of the saints? It says there's one body. And he says within that body, everyone is important. And everyone is supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. Their share. But many of them don't know their share without a pastor equipping them and showing them what God has called them to do. That's why you need a church. That's why you need a pastor. Isn't it awesome that the most famous shepherd, David, was sitting out in the field with his harp, thinking about what the joy it is to be a shepherd, and he recorded a song. I said recorded. He wasn't in the studio. He wrote down a song, but it's been recorded in the Word of God because it's in the Psalms, and it's the most famous psalm of all. The 23rd Psalm. What does he start off with? The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. Then he goes on to describe the things that his shepherd does for him. He leads him beside the still waters. Come on, somebody. He restoreth my soul. 
Come on. He, he takes me and causes me to lay down in green pastures. He's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's my shepherd. What you may not realize is when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, that word Lord, King James put it there to make us, to illustrate to us that he's talking about the Lord. But what he really wrote, this is the original Hebrew, go back and study it yourself in your Strong's Concordance, 23rd Psalm actually goes like this, the shepherd is my shepherd. That word Lord is the word poimen, which means shepherd. So David said, the shepherd is my shepherd are you hearing me the chief shepherd how many knows he's the king of kings and the lord of lords but he's made us little l lords and gave us dominion here on the, dominion here on this earth made us little case kings to operate in the kingdom calls us a kingdom of priests but he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he's the priest of priests and he's the shepherd of shepherds come on somebody give him praise right now that's what he wants us to be but i'm gonna show you something very important that you got to get in your spirit when it comes to to pastoring when it comes to 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 the body the next thing you notice is this god has never promised to send you to a particular church but he has promised to send you to a pastor I'm going to leave that up there and read that again because some of y'all didn't get that and some of you don't agree with it. And I've got news for you. I don't care if you agree with it because I'm going to show you what the Bible says. God has never promised to send you to a particular church, but he has promised to send you to a particular pastor. There's not one scripture in all 66 books of the Bible that says God emphatically says will lead you to a congregation. I know everyone here feels this way. It is nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying it's incorrect because I know your heart and God knows your heart. When you say things like I feel like God led me to Solid Rock Church, I know what you're saying and I agree. But what you need to get the understanding of is that when God leads you to Solid Rock Church, he has led you to sit up under the teaching of Pastor Larry Ragland. I'm sorry. I know all this stuff that goes on for your family. That's all ministry. But this is the reason right now that God has sent you to this church. To be equipped for the work of the ministry. He did not send you here just so that your kids can have fun. Because here's the reality. Your kids are not just having fun. Your kids are being equipped. You know why they're being equipped? Because the teachers in all those classrooms from the nursery all the way have been equipped by their pastor and have been told by their pastor, we don't have a babysitting service here. You teach these kids how to get in the presence of God. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Some of y'all need to memorize this one. He says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. How many knows there can't be talking about shepherds and actual sheep because you can't teach actual sheep truly godly knowledge and understanding. Did we not see in Ephesians chapter 4 that, that one of the fivefold gifts is pastor and the, and the purpose of those gifts is to feed you with knowledge and understanding so that you can be who you're supposed to be. 
But notice what Jeremiah said. He's, he's prophesying from the Lord. These are not the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord. And the Lord said, I will give you shepherds according to what? My heart. To my heart. David was a man after what? His heart. Am I preaching good? So many great men and women of God in the Bible were shepherds. This is a very small list. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not every person in the Bible that's listed as shepherd. But listen to some of the famous names. But these are all emphatically stated to be shepherds in their profession. Abel, Abraham, Lot, Isaac, Jacob, Rachel, Laban, Jacob's 12 sons, Moses, David, Amos. The shepherds who came to honor Jesus. Just to name a few. Jesus was a shepherd and taught us that way. Are y'all hearing me? But nowadays there's, there's just too many people wanting to do their own thing. Can I get an amen? They love the church, but they don't want to do organized religion. Well, neither do I. I hate religion. Religion is not what I'm talking about. We're talking about a relationship here. We're talking about a, a humble heart. We're talking about a willingness to be taught and equipped. Some people say things like, well, I tell you right now, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I haven't told you what to do today. I'm not afraid if God tells me to, to tell you what you need to know. I can't run your life. I don't want to run your life. I got enough trouble running my own life. But I can tell you this, when it comes to this house, I know what God's told me to do. And I'm going to speak it. And if you don't like it, come on, I'm sorry. I'm not, there's no dictator, but let me tell you something. God put me here, and 24 years later, I'm still here. People say, well, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. Ultimately, I'm just going to give you advice, and it's up to you whether you receive it or not. A person, listen, a person that has that attitude, that says they don't need a pastor. They ain't nobody going to tell them what to do. Let me caution you. You do not need to allow that person to speak into your life. Because they are out of order. Not out of my order. Out of his order. Oh, man, this is good stuff. See, a lot of preachers don't preach on this because they don't want to preach about their own office. Huh? They're intimidated by it. I ain't scared. Because I'm not preaching about me right now. I'm preaching about the office of pastor. I'm preaching about every pastor in the entire world today. I'm not preaching about Pastor Larry Ragland. I just happen to be in that office. It's not the only office I work, operate in. It's not the only office you operate in. There's pastors that in this room right now. Not just me. But there is the spiritual father of this house as well. So watch this. If somebody comes in, and this has happened for years, for years, people will come in this church sometimes. It's not as much as it used to be. But people will come off the street and walk up to me, people that I don't know, people that I've never met, and many times have never been to this church, and will say to me, God told me to stop by here because I got a word for this church. And I need you to let me give this word to this church. It's urgent. It's a matter of life or death, one person told me. Well, let me tell you, this may sound a little weird and unorthodox for me to do this. But if I don't know that person, and I don't know anything about their life, 
Here's how I qualify that person. The first question I ask them is, well, listen, I'm, I'm willing to hear that word, but my first question is, who is your pastor and where do you attend church faithfully? This is what I typically get somewhere along this line response. Well, I have a lot of pastors in my life that speak into my life, and I'm a part of the body. And God has just told me to go from church to church, and I'm a part of the universal body. Therefore, I'm not really, I'm not really settled down anywhere. And my response is always the same. Well, here's the reality. You will not be given a word to my church. You can give it to me. And if I, as the pastor of this church, if I feel like the church needs to hear it, I'll give it to you. You can give it to the elders. You can give it to one of these prayer team members. But you're not taking a microphone and speaking into my congregation when you are not even willing to be a part of the, of the creation, the idea of God called the local body. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry. You can't get up under somebody. How do I know what's, what's not already been attached to you because you ain't got no covering? Hmm, it's good preaching. Let's review the hand of God. Apostle starts with a thumb, and we work all the way to teacher. Therefore, that means this is the pastor. What's on this finger? It's the only one of the five-fold ministry gifts. The next thing on your notes is this. The ring finger is the hand of the pastor. The ring finger on the hand is the pastor. Why? Because the pastor is married to the sheep. Did you hear me? It's the only one that's married to the sheep. I'm not talking about somebody that operates in a pastoral anointing. I'm talking about the pastor of a local congregation. When that office of local pastor of a congregation, the, past, the lead pastor of that house is married to the congregation. The teacher is not. The evangelist is not. The prophet and the apostle are not. They can all be in the house, but they can come and go. But the lead pastor gets up every week and thinks about the sheep of his house and prepares a message for his house. Come on, somebody. He is married to his congregation. Are y'all hearing me? I got to go fast. So let's talk about that pastor of the local congregation. Let's talk about what many have considered to be the role of that local church pastor. Somewhere along the line, it became he was the one to visit the hospitals, to visit the sick, to call the people and check on them when they're not there, to marry, marry people, bury people. He is thought to be an employee of the church. Even some churches, you hear me talk about it, have a yearly vote of confidence on the pastor of whether... The pastor is even going to be able to stay another year. The next thing in your notes is this. The modern church has completely distorted the role of a pastor. The modern church has completely distorted the role of a pastor. It is not my job to visit you in the hospital. It is not my job to visit you when you're sick. It's not my job as pastor to call you and check on you. It is not my job as pastor to marry you or to bury your loved ones. It is not my job as pastor to, to, of any of that. It is my job as a Christian to do that. I am mandated by God to visit you in the hospital. I, as a believer, are you hearing me? Not as a pastor. 
We're not talking about my responsibilities as a believer. We're preaching today my responsibilities as a pastor. Now, as a believer, I should do that. But so should you. People want to know, why didn't the pastor visit me in the hospital? Well, did Brother Ray visit you in the hospital? Yeah, but why didn't the pastor? Well, if Brother Ray visited you in the hospital, guess what? Your pastor visited you in the hospital. Because he is an extension of this house. Do you want this church to grow? Do you want your church to grow? What if we were two and three times the size we are now? You think it's hard for one man to visit everybody in the hospital now? How's it going to be done then? Listen, that's what happened in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 said the church began to grow and multiply on another level, and the, the, the widows and the, the, and the needy were no longer being able to be taken care of because the 12 apostles were the ones that were taking care of the widow, widows, giving them their daily uh, distribution of food and supplies, and and also teaching the Word of God. But the Bible says it got to a point where they realized we can't grow anymore because we have been so overextended, we're going to have to make a choice. So went before the people and said, listen, we can't do this anymore. Went before God, and God said, that's exactly right. What you've got to do is choose you out seven men full of the Holy Ghost and of a good reputation, and I will put your anointing on them. They will take care of the widows while you take care of the Word. Because this is important. They're both equally important. Not equally, but they're both important. I mean, there's nothing compares to the importance of the Word of God. But here's the reality. People are not going to receive the Word of God if they're starving to death. So therefore, he said, we got to make sure that the widows are taken care of because that's pure religion, right? And then what Paul said, pure religion? Is that the poor and the needy are taken, the poor and the widows are taken care of? So take care of the widows, show the people that we're still taking care of the needs, but you've got to spend time in prayer so that you can equip the church as it's growing to continue to do what you used to have to do on your own. My wife has worked the nursery for many, many years. We've cleaned the church. We've cut the grass. We've hung the sheetrock. Every single thing that any human being has ever done in this church, we have done. And some of them we are still doing 24 years later. And I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to tell you that at some point we have to make a decision as pastor of this church. Are we going to take it to the next level as a church and equip them? Or are we going to keep doing the same things? Or are we going to release the people? Better yet, I guess the better question is, are the people finally going to step up and say what can I do the, the apostle said this in Acts chapter 6 I don't have time to read it go back and read it yourself it said it is not right go back and read it this is what I said. it is not right for us to neglect the word of God so that we can serve food to the widows do you know what the word deacon means it means servant. It means waiter. It literally means someone as if they're waiting on a table to serve tables. But we've turned, that's another thing we've done in the religious world, we've turned deacon into an authoritative position. The word deacon is not an authoritative position. It is not something that votes on carpet coloring, paint coloring. And, uh, come on, y'all hearing me? Yeah. A deacon is supposed to be serving tables. Next in your notes is this. It is the role of a pastor to shepherd you, but it is the role of a Christian to visit you and check on you. Well, guess what? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Are you thankful that your pastor is a Christian? 
Therefore, I have the same mandate. If I'm sick, you visited me in the hospital. When I was in prison, you came to me and cared for me. When I was naked, you clothed me. I have the same commission as a believer. But when it comes to what I'm doing right now, when it comes to the title, Pastor Larry Raglan, my job as pastor is not to do that. If I show up to visit you in the hospital, I'm there because I'm a believer and because I love you and because, uh, you know, I want to be the hands and feet of Christ just like you. But I'm not there on an official thing where, oh, the pastor is here and everybody gets out of the room. I've I've, I've had that happen before where other people in the church was in there praying and I walk in and they'll be like, oh, we'll give the room to you, pastor. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm nothing. If you've already prayed, all I'm going to do is just come in agreement with what you're praying. I, don't, I didn't bring some special hyper-powered oil bottle in my pocket that overrides your extra virgin olive oil. Are y'all hearing me? Your pastor, your local pastor is your spiritual father. You need to get that in your spirit. A, a true spiritual father will not leave you or abandon you. Listen to this. What the, what the, you, here's how you know the difference between an employee of this church, because you do pay me a full-time salary, but watch this, an employee of the church versus a five-fold ministry gift that's been placed here by God. John 10, verses 11 and 13. By the way, John 10, 10, famous. For the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that I have life and have it more abundantly. Very next verse. I am the good shepherd. Jesus. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Watch this. But a hireling or an employee who is not the shepherd of that house, one who does not own the sheep or take a sense of ownership, will see the wolf coming and leave the sheep and flee. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters the herd. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Come on, you hear me? That's what happens in many denominational churches. First sign of problems, first sign of everything that they felt like God was telling them to do, not going their way, and the deacons voted his idea down. All they got to do is pick up the phone and call headquarters and say, you know what, this is not working out for me. I need some help. I need somebody to come up here and relieve me of this situation. Give me another church, another stepping stone. And all of a sudden, next Sunday, the rest of the people thought they had a pastor, loved their pastor, and the pastor gets up and makes makes an announcement. Oh, sorry, it's one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do, but today is my last Sunday with you. Next Sunday or a month from now, I'm transitioning to another congregation. It's been great. It's been wonderful. It's been fun. I love you guys. I know God's going to send you somebody else, but it's time for me to move on. God has told me to move on. I'm not judging pastors that have done that because I, Paul did that. Paul would go in and start a ministry, an itinerant ministry, and move on. I'm not judging other pastors or preachers that may watch this and may move from place to place. But can I tell you something? At some point, the sheep need to get to know the shepherd. At some point, the sheep need to be able to know the shepherd's heart. And if they're getting a new shepherd every year and a half, it's going to be really hard for that herd to grow. Are you hearing me? Jeremiah 23, 1 says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. 
John 10, 1 and 2 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, we know we're talking about Jesus, and he entered the door by way of the human body. That's what he's talking about. The, the devil is an illegal alien here because he did not enter by way of the flesh, but because Jesus came from the womb of Mary, he entered the door of humanity. Therefore, he has dominion and rights. Amen. But it's also illustrating that if your pastor has not been set in place by the chief shepherd, he is a hireling. He's a preacher because his daddy was a preacher and because his granddaddy was a preacher. Some people are in position simply because their daddy was the preacher. We need somebody that's called. Can I get an amen? Here's the reality. I'm coming to a close. A pastor does not just equip. Do you feel like you're being equipped at Solid Rock Church? A pastor does not just equip, but a pastor also protects a shepherd also protects and heals that's why i just got a simple illustration of an umbrella because an umbrella is a covering right now it protects us from the rain now i'm not saying the rain's always bad but the, I'm just trying to use an illustration here to say this to you. Let's say that the rain symbolized the storms of life and the attack of the enemy. The umbrella is just simply an illustration. If I've got this umbrella in my hand and I walk out to my car and it's pouring down rain, now if the wind is driving, I, my legs might get wet. But how many of if I put this thing down close enough and the wind's not beating this thing to death, but it's just a solid rain? I can still get to my car. I can still open my car most all the time. Get in my car if I learn how to strategically shut that door and all that. I can get in my car and not be soaking wet, right? And everybody that left this, this church today, let's say it's pouring down rain and the rain symbolizes the attacks of the world. How many of those, I'm still going to get wet. I'm still walking through the attacks. Having a pastor does not insulate you from problems. It does not insulate you and protect you from every raindrop. But how many knows if you, are, if you are under a proper covering, standing right next to someone, come here, Jason. Come up here on the platform with me. Same storm, same attacks, stand right here. Now watch this. This thing called life is going to take us from here to that curtain. And it's always raining. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So the attacks are always going to come. If it's coming from different sides, my legs may still get wet. But just get this illustration in your mind. The difference of a life. Walking every day in the same storm like this. Do you see the difference? I'm not saying that I'm not getting wet. But I can promise you this. My life don't look anything like his. Huh? Because how many knows whatever is out here, he's got hit with every one of them. Because this umbrella don't just protect you from rain. This, 
fiery darts. It's part of the armor of God. We understand the armor of God is the armor of God. I'm not adding to that. But I'm just saying this. He wants you to be armored, but then he wants you to get up under a covering. How many of those the most well-trained soldiers and armored soldiers in the world, when the bullets start flying, if they have an opportunity to get in the tank, they still get in the tank? Because it's an extra level of protection in the fight. Am I preaching good? But when people say, you know what? I love you, God. But I don't need no pastor. This is what you look like to the enemy. Are you hearing me? Do you see the illustration? I'm not saying that it's me. I'm talking about the five-fold ministry gifts are a covering to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17 says this. I do not write these things to shame you, but my beloved children, I warn you. Listen to what Paul is saying. For, through, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, see the difference, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, this is what Paul says, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, which was a pastor. Timothy was a local church planner and a pastor. Who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord and who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church? What he was saying is, while I was here, I was covering you and I was equipping you and I was protecting you. But I am not going to leave you without a covering. Because when I leave, I, your covering, if, if I was your only covering... I would have taught you and equipped you and left you exposed. Therefore, I as an apostle under the unction of the Holy Spirit have set in place a, man, a young man named Timothy and he has the office of pastor on him and as I travel from church to church, he is going to marry himself to you. I'll come back often and see you as I come through town but every day and every week, you're going to know. You aren't going to know if Paul's going to be here, but you're going to be able to know that you've got a covering in Timothy. The last thing on your notes is this. If your pastor is too good to be touched by the sheep and too good to do life with sheep and comes, comes in the church with an entourage, leaves the church with an entourage, Nobody can shake his hand. Nobody can touch him. Nobody can talk to him. It takes you two and three months out to get an appointment just to sit down with your pastor. His door is never open to you. You don't have a pastor. You have a hireling. Because here's the, here's the one way you can always know if you've got a shepherd. And I am not telling you to come up and do this to me today. This is an illustration. I'm talking spiritually. Smell him. If he don't smell like sheep, hmm? how, how many's got a dog, a dog or a cat? Okay, how many knows when your dog goes out and plays all day long and he's he's rolling all in the dirt and he's rolling all in the in the mud and he's jumped out in the water and all this and he's dried himself off. He comes in, he he might be a little bit dirty, but he don't look that bad, but he got a smell about him. Come on, can I get an amen? And especially if it's sprinkled a little bit out there and he's a wet dog. Come on, how many knows ain't nothing like wet dog smell? But you love your dog, right? 
So you get down, I love you, buddy, I love you, buddy. You have, good, you have fun outside playing? Oh, yeah, you did, you did. And that's all you did was just pet him. He goes back out and plays. Your wife or your husband walks in and says, what is that smell? I'm like, what are you talking about? God, something, something, something's rank in here. It smells like a wet dog. Guess what? The wet dog's outside. But I touched him. I played with him. I got down on his level. Therefore, the dogs moved on, but I still smell like wet dog. Here's the reality. Your shepherd will spend more time with the sheep than he spends with the elites. And when it's all said and done, he will smell like sheep. Don't you know when David come out of the field and he stood in front of God's chosen prophet and all the other brothers were cleaned up, showered, shaven, and looking good, splashing on their... Uh, I'm trying to think of a modern cologne. I don't even know. I started to say aqua velva. <laughs> I need some new material, y'all. Huh? Axe. All the women love you as soon as you spray that stuff on. It's not true. Watch this. He comes in. What's that smell? Oh, God, he always smells that way. Always smells like the nasty sheep. God says, go over and stand in front of him. You smell that, Samuel? Listen to the words he said to Samuel. Go into the house of Jesse. For with one of his sons, in one of his sons, I have found a man after God's own heart. Jeremiah said, I will give you shepherds who will feed you and nourish you according to my heart. So when Samuel stood before him, He smells like sheep. And he poured the oil on him. Are you hearing me? So, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Because everybody in here is in church. And everybody in here has a pastor. But not everybody that comes to church gets this. Even in this house. They need to get it. That's ain't a message about me. Remember this. I promise you, it's ain't a message about me. I ain't changing. I am who I am. It's a message about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So when you start understanding the fivefold gifts, by the time we get through with this and we get all the way to apostle, when you get up on Sunday morning, when you get up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday morning, every day of your life, because you are under the covering of the fivefold ministry gifts of this house, you're going to see your life in a wholly different way. You're going to see the power that you've been equipped with in this house. God's not called you to sit on a pew. He's called you to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Let's pray, Father.